not even engaged or anything at this point. And all this, and it was, I was wrestling with stuff. And we were kind of trying to figure out uh, stuff. And uh, I remember sharing this with some of my friends and just sharing some of the heartache and the struggle that we were experiencing. And to a T, every one of them, the, the advice was exactly the same. Their advice was, well, dumper, get somebody else, right? If it's hard, leave her in the dust and go find somebody that's easier to be with. And these are Christian uh, brothers and sisters. And I thought to myself, I thought, that's the best you got? Like, that's your sage wisdom and advice is just dump her and find somebody else? If, if your relationship isn't easy, just quit and go be with somebody else? But I think that really is the counsel of our culture these days, isn't it? That's sort of the mainstream. If it gets too hard, find somebody else. One author I read this week was talking about sort of the dating culture in our society, and they said that our approach to dating really just predisposes us towards divorce, they said. He said, think about it. The whole idea is that you date two, three, five, ten, however many people. And so you start dating somebody. You kind of try them on to see if they work out. You kind of play house degree, maybe move in, maybe sleep together, maybe just be together all the time. It's like a trial marriage, he says. If it doesn't work out, if the person is too high maintenance or doesn't give you exactly what it is that you want, then you dump them and you go and you start over with somebody else and you date and you try them on for a while. If they don't give you exactly what you want or what you were expecting, you dump them and you get somebody else and you go through this three, four, five, ten, who, who knows, however many times. And then he says, and think about it. What happens then when you get married? You finally say, okay, I'm going to commit. This is the one. You devote yourselves to each other. You take the vows. You go fast forward one year, two years, five years, seven years, apparently 7.2 years, and it starts getting hard. What are you predisposed to do? When it gets hard, what do you do? You dump them. You get somebody else. You quit. You give up. Whatever, right? I thought that was an excellent point and somewhat frightening a little bit, right? as a result, I mean, I was just thinking about that, just thinking, man, what are the consequences in our culture? What are the consequences in our world these days? I mean, we've got a country full of heartbroken, sometimes cynical, fearful of relationship, increasingly relationally incompetent individuals that, that, that have come about in the wake of this kind of stuff. We're on our fifth and final week of a series that we've been doing called Once Upon a Time, Myths About Dating, Sex, and Happily Ever After. And throughout this series, we've been trying to identify some of the myths of our culture that are really crippling our relational worlds and instead trying to discover God's plan, God's best, God's path for what marriage, for what relationship is meant to be. Today, I want to wrap it up by uh, just talking about literally what I'm calling the happily ever after myth. I mean, we've talked about this and hinted at it a couple of, in a couple of previous weeks, but the whole idea of the happily ever after myth is simply this. It's that uh, we have this amazing courtship and dating era where we try to, to win our future spouse or significant other. We maybe overcome obstacles. We get to know each other, all that kind of stuff. And then from that point forward, it says, we live happily ever after. It's smooth sailing out there, right? We're so in love that it's going to be easy from this point forward. Everything will work out okay. It will seem effortless, well, because we'll be experiencing this kind of euphoric kind of love. My needs will always be met by the other person and we'll be together forever. It will be something like this, we think. You know, play that. Take a look. I would never shut you up. Okay, can I just say something crazy? I love crazy. 
much the way relationship works, right? You finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, right? <laughs> the problem is like we've talked about throughout this series is that that's not really real life, is it? And to be honest, it's not a, a real picture of love. I mean, it's fantasy. It's a Disney movie. What do you want, right? It's great and it's fun. And there are moments that can be like that, even seasons or eras, but you cannot build a lasting marriage, a lasting relationship of any kind based on that kind of picture of love. So today I want to wrap up the series and just look at what, what I would say is a real biblical picture of love. I'm just going to define it with three words. We're going to look at some of each of them. And I think God has some good stuff to say uh, in each of these topics. The three words are this, active sacrificial commitment. They're not really feeling words, are they? Active sacrificial commitment. I just want us to look at that and just say, man, this is a totally different picture of love. The kind of Disney picture that we just saw there, the kind that sometimes uh, our little hearts go pitter-patter and hope for, um, the Bible doesn't really talk about that kind of love all that much. Maybe one exception, kind of, but not really, um, would be the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs. Um, but that's a different kind of uh, deal as well. Instead, biblical picture of love has to do more with action. It has more to do with sacrifice. It has more to do with commitment. And so that's what we're going to look at. Just We're going to kind of scroll through these. Love is active is the first one. By the way, there's notes and messages on you, or, uh, notes in version live or in the, in the uh, Ignite Church app. You can follow along, take notes and that kind of stuff there as well. But the first one, love is active ongoing action. It is lived out in the real world in our lives. We like to think of love as a feeling. It doesn't matter what I do. It's about the feelings that I have towards you in my heart. But real love from the Bible's, from a Bible's perspective isn't really an emotion at all. Instead, it's always tied to action. The feeling of your heart will almost always follow your actions. Your affections follow your actions. 
like the woman who was seeking counsel from uh, Dr. George Crane, uh, the psychologist. He con- she confided with him that she hated her husband. She intended to divorce him and wanted to cause as much pain as possible, she declared firmly. Well then, in that case, Dr. Crane said, I'd advise you to start showering him with compliments. When you've become indispensable to him, when he thinks that you, your love for him is devoted, then that's the moment to drop the bomb on him and to tell him that you want, avo- you want a divorce. That's the way that you hurt him, he says. Some months later, the wife returned, came back, and reported that all was going well. The plan was working perfectly. Good, said Dr. Crane. Well, then now's the time to lower the boom. Now's the time to file for the divorce. Divorce, the woman said indignantly. Never. I love my husband dearly, right? Sometimes uh, the feelings follow our actions. There's no such thing as real love that isn't lived out in our actions, in our words, and in our lives. There's always an action that demonstrates the love. Feelings follow from action. Friends, we can talk pretty good uh, game about uh, loving our wives, loving our husbands, loving our neighbors, loving our friends, or whoever. But when it comes to actions, we often fall short. Love that comes only from our lips and not from our lives and actions is not real love. It's not the kind of thing that the Bible talks about. Listen to a few of these verses. 1 John 3.18 is the first that I want us to look at today. Dear children, let us not just love with words or speech, but let us love with actions and in truth. Love is always active. Listen to this passage we read the first week as well, but 1 Corinthians 13 uh, is filled with action words. Listen to this. Love is what? Go to the next slide if you would. Love is patient. It is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not selfish. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Listen to this. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. This entire passage of Scripture is known as the love chapter, right? 1 Corinthians 13. It's all about words, but I'm amazed at how many action words are packed in there. Love is patient and kind. It's protecting. It's selfless. It's truth-telling. These are action sort of words. They describe what love looks like in real life, how it acts. Love is active. In Wisconsin, we used to joke around, and there's a phrase that people threw around called uh, trophy wives. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that kind of thing. Maybe it's the deer hunting culture up there. But, uh, but here's, what they, here's what they meant. When you were younger, you would set your eyes on the best-looking woman around, and then you would be on a hunt for her, right? And you would court her, and you would study her. You'd track her even, <laughs> track her movements. You'd learn what she likes and what she didn't like. And then you would discern a way to woo her from that, right? In Wisconsin, it usually involved drinking, large amounts of alcohol or maybe drugs. But some, in some way, you would try to win her affection and win her over to your case. And if everything worked out right, you would win the hunt. She would go out with you. Maybe perhaps eventually she would become your wife. And at that point, the hunt was over, right? At that point, it was done. The pursuit was over. She's like a trophy deer, right, that that you hang on the wall and and show off for your friends or something like that. But from this point forward, uh, there was not really much action. There wasn't ongoing courtship, really. There was no more pursuit. Not much love would be visible anymore. And it happens all the time, uh, 
not just in Wisconsin, but it happens all over the place. But that's not the kind of love that God describes because love is ongoing. It's active. Let me just stop here and hit the pause button for one second and just say, how would you say you're doing on the stuff? When you think about your marriages, when you think about your relationships, when you think even about your friendships, would you say that the, the way that you act on a day-by-day-by-day basis, the words you say and the way that you serve and the way that you act, would you say that those from an outsider's perspective, would you say that those things would line up? Would you say that your actions would prove to a bystander that you love those that you're around most of all? Are you consistent? Those that are supposed to be your family and friends, your spouse, whatever, are you, are you building them up? Are you treating them like you should? Husbands and wives especially, you've pledged to love your spouse in sickness and in health for richer, for poorer, no matter what may come, until death do you part. Is that the kind of love that's being lived out in your relationships, in your marriage? Or have you settled for a trophy wife or a trophy husband? Is your love lived out in your life? Man, if not, it's time to maybe put some of that back into action. Maybe it's time to pursue them afresh. Maybe it's time to serve and show compassion and concern for them once again. Maybe it's time to listen and learn again. Maybe study them afresh. Maybe pursue them again. And learn how to communicate love in action to them. I was, I was thinking this week, just thinking about uh, ways that I do that and don't do that. It's convicting to preach a message on this kind of thing. But one of the little things that I do is I've actually got an... Uh, an app on my phone, a file on my phone that's uh, called Tina's Favorite Things. <laughs> I actually, it keeps me studying. It keeps me looking. Tina is not one of the kind of people that is, um, that has like, that easily uh, just throws out like, I love this and I hate this and I love this. She's pretty much okay with everything and, and she doesn't uh, often pamper herself. And so, she, I mean, I can probably think of maybe, you know, eight, ten things that she said were her favorites over the last 18 or 20 years. Do you know what I mean? So this is not, so this is something that I, that's why I keep a file on it. Cause if I ever see something, she's like, Oh, this is great. I'm like, uh-huh. Let's put that in the phone so that I can recall it later because I want to study her because I want to know what pleases her because I want to, I want my love for her to be active. Right. And so when I learned that she loves the little Chinese place on North Knoxville in the strip mall there, and that that's a, that's a favorite of hers, we go there sometimes on her day off as a little treat. Peppermint patties. I'm telling you what, if you want to make her day, give her a peppermint patty. I don't understand it, but she loves, I mean, there's just little things that we can do so often that communicate, hey, I thought of you. I wanted to serve you. I wanted to please you. Love is active in little things and in big things. Other ways that we can do that, right? Perhaps serving, perhaps helping around the house, perhaps thinking of, of spouse. I'll give you one more example, um, and I'll embarrass her in a second. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's been a pretty intense fall for me, uh, late summer, early fall, and, uh, and I've been working big hours and, and going like crazy and that kind of thing. And, and at one point, our grass um, had gotten a little longer than it probably should. In the last 18 years, I don't think Tina has ever mowed the lawn, ever. Like, I, it's just something I always do. It's one of my chores, one of the things I do. 
and she was trying to be uh, thoughtful one day, and so she decided, I'm just going to go do it. She had a little extra time, so she went out. She started the lawnmower, and she almost, like, threw her back out. <laughs> like, she did the whole front yard, and she was like, man, that thing is so hard. And our oldest daughter said to her, mom, well, did you press the little self-propelled lever? <laughs> she's like, no! <laughs> that would have worked out so much easier. But, but it was action. It was love that was lived out. And she does this so well. For me, friends, love is always active. It's always visible. You can catch people doing it and expressing it. It's seen in what you say, but it's also seen in what you do and how you say it. It's ongoing. It's not just a one and done thing. It's not a trophy wife or a trophy husband kind of thing. It is ongoing day after day after day. And if we want to build great marriages, we want to build great relationships, we want to build great friendships, we've got to learn to live this stuff out in our lives. Let's keep going. So love is active. The second part of it is love is active. It's also sacrificial. You know, jump to that next slide, Josh. It seeks the other person's good above your own. We've gotten the idea in our heads sometimes, we wouldn't really say it, but we act it this way, that relationships and love is really about my needs. It's really about what I want in the relationship. It's about my needs getting met. If you don't meet my needs, then I'll just find somebody else that will. But that's self-absorption. That's not really the picture of love that we should be shooting for or the picture of love that God tells us about as well. Listen to some of these. This is Ephesians 5. This is specifically written to husbands and wives, but just think of this picture in relationship. It says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Yeah, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. This is second one, John 13, 34. Jesus is talking to his followers. He says, says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Question for you, how, did, how does Christ love us? How did he love us? He died for us, right? He gave himself, sacrificed himself for you. He says, love each other as I have loved you. Completely, sacrificially, right? He gave up his own life for you and for me. He sacrificed everything for us. First John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for each other, for our brothers and for our sisters. Friends, real love seeks the good of others over our own good. It's willing to give up what I want for what's best for you. I mean, this is a tough one, and one that I think is rare in, this, in our culture these days, but that is the picture of real love. Real love is willing to give up all for another. It reminded me of this story I heard one time says this, it says, one summer day I took Helen, eight years old, and Brandon, five years old, to Clover he- Cloverleaf uh, Mall in Hattiesburg to do a little shopping. As we drove up, we spotted an 18-wheeler in the parking lot with a big sign that said, Petting Zoo. He said, my kids started going crazy. They jumped up and down. Daddy, Daddy, can we go? Can we go? Can we go? Please, please, please. Sure, I said, and I, he said, I flipped him each a quarter and started walking into Sears. They bolted away, and uh, I felt free to take my time as I was looking for scroll saws, he says. 
A petting zoo consists basically of a portable fence erected in the mall parking lot with about six inches of sawdust at the bottom and a hundred little furry baby animals all lined up in there. Kids pay their money and they stay in the enclosure with the squirmy little uh, critters while their moms and dads shop. But a few minutes later, he says, I turned around and saw Helen walking along behind me. I was shocked to see her. Uh, that she preferred hardware, the hardware department over uh, the petting zoo. He says, yeah, recovering from my error, I bent down and asked her what was wrong. She looked up at me with these giant brown eyes and she said sadly, well, daddy, it cost 50 cents. So I gave my money to Brandon. Then she said the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. She repeated our family motto. The family motto is love is action. She'd given Brandon her quarter and no one loves furry cuddly little creatures more than Helen. She'd watched both of us say and do this for years. Love is action. And she'd seen it around our place of work and she'd heard it and seen it. And now she'd incorporated it into her little world and lifestyle. It had become a part of her. He says, well, what do you think I did? Might not be what you think. He says, as soon as I finished my errands, I took Helen to the petting zoo and we stood by the fence and we watched Brandon go crazy, petting all these little furry little creatures and feeding the animals and playing with them. Helen stood with her hand resting on her chin on the fence and just watched Brandon. I had 50 cents, he said, burning a hole in my pocket, but I never offered it and she never asked for it because she knew the entire family motto, the whole family motto. It's not just love is action. It's love is sacrificial action. Love always pays a price. Love always costs something. Love is expensive. When you love, benefits accrue to another person's account. Love is for you, not for me. Love gives. It doesn't grab. Helen gave her quarter to Brandon and wanted to follow through on the lesson. She knew that she had to taste the sacrifice. She wanted to experience that total family motto, love is sacrificial action, and she did. Isn't that a great story? Love is sacrificial action. That's love. It always costs something. It's sacrificial. It's putting someone else's need above your own. It's stepping outside of your comfort zone to making somebody else feel more at home. It might be uncomfortable for you, but it'll make them feel better. It might be doing something for your wife or for your husband that you know that they like even though it's, you don't particularly care for it. It might involve sacrificing some of your me time. It might involve sacrificing some of your hobbies or something like that to preference someone else. It could involve sacrificing what you want to eat for something uh, that your spouse or your significant other does. It might involve, in our home, it sometimes involves kale or flaxseed. And it... it it has to be eaten with a smile. This is great. <laughs> it might involve giving some of your own money to help provide for somebody else that could use it. It's love is sacrificial action. Friends, love always costs something. It always involves sacrifice. It's hard sometimes. It's hard a lot of times, isn't it? It's choosing to put another's need and even desires ahead of your own. And man, nowhere is this more uh, relevant. Nowhere is this more true than in marriage. In order for marriage to really work, to be God-honoring, it involves us dying to ourselves again and again and again and again, doesn't it? It involves sacrificially learning to love someone else, to put them ahead of your own, their desires ahead of your own. 
in order for marriage to really work, it involves dying to my selfishness, dying to my self-centered desires pretty much every day. Choosing to love sacrificially, to serve, to listen to and help and care for and prioritize your wife or your husband. When marriage works right, both husband and a wife will sacrificially love one another like this. It's a beautiful thing, but it's not contractual. It's not a 50% and 50% kind of contract. It's not a you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours kind of contract. It's sacrificial, right? You don't love or give because they deserve it, but you love and give even when they don't. That's love. It's sacrificial. Sometimes it involves letting go of the past, letting go of ways that you've been hurt, not holding on to grudges, even though you have the right to do so. It might feel vulnerable, sacrificial. It costs something. Sometimes it's choosing to be the first person to say, I'm sorry, even if it's not fair. But it's loving. Sometimes it involves being the the first one to jump in and to do the dishes or to mow the lawn or to bathe the kids or whatever. You're tired and not one single ounce of you wants to get up and help. And yet you love and you choose and you sacrifice and you preference someone else above yourselves. Because I love you and because this is serving you, I'm going to preference you. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to sacrifice my wants and my desires for you because I love you. That's the picture. You get it? That's the picture of love. Love is active. There's always action involved, but it's not just doing something. It's sacrificial action, isn't it? It's choosing to honor and to love and to serve and to put others ahead of ourselves. The third thing I'm just going to hit uh, briefly here is the commitment part. Active, sacrificial commitment. It's pretty foreign in our culture, I think. But it's such a huge deal when it comes to our relationships. I mean, so much, like we talked about, so much of our culture is really insecure relationally, right? We kind of leave the door open on quitting, on divorce, on leaving. If I don't like what you're doing. And that really destroys trust, it destroys safety, it destroys relationship. Without commitment, we won't be able to weather the storms that come in life. We won't be able to. Our marriages won't be able to last. Our, Our relationships won't be able to last. And we will miss out on who we could become and we'll miss out on what God would do in us and through us as a result. Commitment is being willing even to be unhappy for a while so that you can work things out and be happy later on. It's a willingness to stick it out, to work on your marriage or relationship, to continue to serve, to continue to love actively and sacrificially, even when it's hard, even when you don't want to, even when you feel like giving up. Good marriages and good relationships do not just happen. They require work. It takes effort, ongoing, sacrificial right action and commitment. Love always involves commitment in one way or another. I mean, marriage is probably pinnacle to all, right? Marriage is meant to be the most secure relationship ever where we are seen and known and valued, where we belong, warts and all. We are fully accepted and we see and know and love and accept others in the same way. Listen to this, these words uh, that Jesus talks about marriage. He's, he's quoting uh, from a passage we looked at last week in Genesis. But listen to this, Matthew 19, three through six. Listen, look at the commitment piece that Jesus puts here. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him and they asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? (laughs) Jesus replies, haven't you read? 
that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female. And he said to them, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother, and he'll be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He says, So they are no longer two, but one. But one flesh. Listen to this then. He says, Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. What God has made one, no one should divide, he said. Real love is where there is safety and unity and security. It's devotion to one another, commitment to oneness in relationship. It's a commitment to stick it out, to weather the storms together, right? To work through any challenge or any problem, to slug it out together. Separation, quitting, divorcing is not an option. We sometimes think about it, uh, and I'll hear people talk about it, as though there's two options. When people come in and they're having a hard time in their marriages, they're having a hard time in relationships, the weight's on, they've been fighting, they're just not clicking, right? Everything seems like they're pounding their heads against a wall, and they come in and they think they've got two options. They're like, well, here's the options. Either we can stay in this miserable marriage and be miserable forever, or I can dump them, right? Or we can call it quits, and we get that tunnel vision, you know, on, and we can't think of anything beyond that. But really, like, why can't there be a third option that says, you know what, I'm going, I'm going to fight for this marriage. I'm willing to pay the price and do the work so that our marriage, our relationship can get better and better and better. Where's the commitment option, friends? That's where the good stuff happens. I'm willing to pay the price now. I'm willing to work through the hard cycle now so that later the relationship will work. The relationship will be good. The relationship will last, will be healthy. We'll do whatever it takes to work through these issues together. That's the best option. In God's book, he refers to uh, marriage as a covenant between two people and God. The word covenant is a big deal in the Old Testament. It's a special sort of commitment and relationship. It was a huge deal in, in, in Old Testament days. It means literally to cut. That's what covenant means, to cut. Here's what a covenant marriage was like in, in olden times. A priest would literally come in. He would take a bull or some animal like that. He would cut it in half and he would pull part of it over to one side. He'd pull part of it over to the other side. The bride and the groom would come forward. They would walk through the middle and around half of the animal seven times, and they would meet in the middle. And when they came before the priest in the middle, they would say their covenant vows to one another. And it's not unusual in the, at that point that the priest would actually cut the hand of the husband and cut the hand of the wife until blood flowed, they would hold hands and he would take a cord and he would tie it around there so that their blood would flow together as a symbolism to say you are no longer two but one and then they would make this promise to love each other until death do us part. The imagery and the symbolism here, I mean aren't you glad we live in New Testament times? You're like having a bowl cut in half of my wedding seems a little kind of but the, but the imagery here, right, the image this is what covenant imagery is. They would say, they're making a promise saying literally, may I be cut in half like this bull if I do not keep my promise to you. If I break the cord of the two. You see that imagery? You think commitment was a big deal back then? You think commitment is a big deal to God? The number one picture that God gives us of how he dreams for his people to live in right relationship with him is of marriage. 
It's a huge deal. He says, man, the way I love you is, is sort of like a husband loves his wife or vice versa. I'm crazy about you. I have your best interest in mind. I'm committed to you, right? It's a picture. And he says, what God has joined together, let no one separate. In the New Testament times, we still carry those covenant kind of vows with us, except we say, we say it in words and we say it a little differently, don't we? we? We put on rings and we make a covenant. We make a commitment between one another and God. We say, I promise that I will love you no matter what comes, for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, I will be faithful to you. And what do we say? Until death do us part. That's a covenant. That's covenant language. Until death do us part. Commitment is a huge deal. God's dream for relationships, and of course, does this apply to friendships? Does this apply? It, it applies all the way around, but nowhere more perfectly is this seen than in marriage this way, right? God says real love is active. It's sacrificial, and it is committed. You don't let nothing tear you apart. You don't quit on people. You don't quit on the relationship. You don't quit on one another. You will be faithful to one another until death do you part. That's the picture. That's what we're to strive for. I know it's hard. I know it's easier. There are times when you're like, "Uh uh-uh. This is too hard. This is too much work. But man, imagine what could be done if if both of you, if if both of you were committed to one another like that. We won't let anything tear us apart. Nothing. You know, my grandpa and grandma passed away a couple years ago, right? Just about the time we moved to Peoria. That's me and grandma. (laughs) <laughs> they lived into their upper 90s and they were married for almost 70 years. Isn't that crazy? Almost 70 years. Very cool stuff. And, uh, and I remember uh, one time, I mean, maybe four or five years before they, uh, before, uh, they died, um, I remember having a conversation with Grandma. She came in and sat on the corner of the chair like Grandma's do and she put her arm around me and was rubbing my back and was wanted to hear about the church and wanted to hear about what we were doing and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and I was asking her how they were doing. They're coming up on their wedding anniversary, probably like their 65th maybe at the time or something like that. And she just said, well, our, our anniversary's coming up and so we're excited about that and that kind of thing. And, and I was like, yeah, was like, that's exciting. What, what, a, what, a cool, uh, what a cool day that'll be or something like that. She said, yeah, she said, she said, it's really good. She said, our marriage has been great. She's like, there's been a lot of good years, a lot of hard years, she said, but a lot of good years. And I just, there's something about that that just struck me and stuck with me. I liked her honesty on it, right? Uh, it, it, that's a picture of devotion, a picture of commitment that says, you know what? There's, there's going to be hard years. There's going to be tough seasons. There's going to be seasons when you want to quit. But if you stick it out and you work together, right, loving actively, sacrificially in a committed relationship, God will do his work and you'll walk out the other side. Man, in that kind of context, relationships and marriages can get better and better and better. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 puts it this way, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always Perseverance. Perseverance is a stubborn commitment to continue to be faithful no matter what comes. It's a picture of love. This picture of, of love brings stability and security and freedom. 
I read a story this week about a family that was visiting with some friends uh, one time. They received a telephone call from their oldest daughter, and after several tense minutes on the phone, uh, the mother eventually motions to the father to pick up the phone, and so the newlyweds had had their, big, their first big fight. In a few minutes, the father rejoined the friends and came back to the conversation and said, yeah, they had a huge fight. She wanted to come home. And the friend said, well, what did you tell her? He paused for a second and said, well, I told her she was home. And I was like, oh, that's good, right? I mean, that's, uh, it's, that's not what she wanted to hear. <laughs> that's not the answer that she was looking for at that moment. But I'm like, that's the wisdom of a father that says, you know what? Love is commitment. Love is active, sacrificial commitment. She was home. Nowhere can we see and understand this whole picture of love, of active, sacrificial commitment better or more perfectly than in Jesus. I mean, think about it. Because God loved you and loved me so much, he willingly gave up the perfection of heaven and he came down to this sin-filled place and he lived and he died for you and for me because he loved you that much. He gave himself up for us. He did that so that we can be with him forever, so that we can be freed, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can come home. This is how we know what love is. The Bible says Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. His love and his commitment. I mean, he gave his all, not thinking of himself, but thinking of the ones that he loved. He, his love and his commitment is what drove him to sacrificial action, even to the point of death. This is the picture of love, right? Active, sacrificial commitment. Well, I'm not sure uh, where you're at with God today or kind of as we wrap up what, what God might be saying to you or teaching you this morning about love, about relationship, about act, you know, action or sacrifice or commitment. Maybe this church stuff or this Jesus stuff is newer to you and maybe, maybe this morning uh, the action step that God's nudging you to do is really just to say, you know what, I, I want to know that kind of love from God, the kind of love that you're talking about the kind of love of a Savior who would give his life for me. And if that's you, maybe, uh, maybe the action step for you this week is to check out this Jesus guy a little bit more. Maybe you need to open up the book, uh, the, the Bible, God's book, to, to the book of Luke or to, to John or something like that and start reading it. And let, him, let this God that, that's uh, described and expressed in the pages of this book, let him fill you with his love. Maybe... Uh, Maybe there's some relational, some relational stuff for you. Maybe there's, uh, the truth be told, you've kind of done the whole trophy spouse kind of thing and, and you've been pretty passive in your relationship lately. And maybe today God's nudging you and saying, you know, it's time for your love to be put into practice in your life once again. Maybe you need to get up off the couch and serve. Maybe you need to be the first to step up and say, I'm sorry. I've blown it. Maybe there's tension that needs to be resolved. But maybe God is prompting you to some specific action today. And if that's true, I would encourage you to do it. Love is never passive. It's never, uh, it's never just words. It's always lived out in our lives. Maybe the sacrificial piece is what God's speaking to you on. And maybe there's some ways that you need to stoop down and serve your husband or wife or your significant other. Maybe a friend, maybe somebody that lives next to you in the dorms or whatever. Maybe there's ways that you can step out, that you can give up and sacrifice maybe your own comfort or maybe some of your own money or who knows what in order to preference someone else and to, to express God's love and your love for them.
maybe this commitment deal is, is what God's nudging you on today, and maybe the, the reality is that uh, you have not taken that commitment nearly seriously enough. And perhaps today you need to circle back around with somebody and get down on your knees and say, I am sorry, would you forgive me? Maybe there's ways that you need to re-up your commitment with another person and reiterate to them that you're with them. Husband or wives, right? Maybe that you're with them till death do us part. Maybe divorce needs to be, get taken out of your vocabulary. Maybe I quit needs to get taken out of your vocabulary and you can commit yourself afresh to working through the hard stuff and taking the long-term approach so that you can experience the better stuff later. I don't know what God's saying to you, but friends, there is a happily ever after <laughs> that God describes, right? That's waiting for you in relationships with, with one another and in relationship with him. And that's what my prayer is that I want to see that lived out. You know, so let's, let's close in prayer and uh, we'll kind of wrap up for the day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love, for your grace. We thank you for the perfect ways, Jesus, that you have loved us active, sacrificially, and you've loved us with an undying love. You've been so faithful and committed to us. We just give you thanks. Father, we just open up our hearts, our lives to you afresh this morning and say, come Lord Jesus, we need you. Would you come and show us and teach us, fill us with your amazing love and let that spill over into our marriages, into our relationships, into our lives. Teach us to love like you love, God. May your kingdom come, may your will be done, we pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.